This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson, back in the home office this week. My Wi-Fi decided to behave. I'm happy to be joined by Brady Oldman's Hill Varsity's football and recruiting writer. Brady, hello. How are you? Doing well, man. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, although, it's funny. I had a... I wore an OU hat that wasn't OU, but was... It, it had the logo of the student paper that I wrote for when I was at the university. But it was very obvious that, like, what university was being represented with the logo on this hat. And I had a handful of people, just random strangers out in the wild that stopped me um, and, and basically made the same kind of comment, which to the effect, you guys don't know how to handle people leaving you, do you? Like, like we're embarrassed watching Oklahoma fans react to Lincoln Riley leaving. Um, and I was like, all right, we're just not going to wear this hat anymore. We're just going to take it off because I'm with you. I'm embarrassed too. I'm embarrassed. Um, so that's fun. It's always fun when you're in Chicago, Illinois, and you have people saying like, hey, can can Oklahomans get their crap together? Can you stop being such babies about this situation? So I'm very curious to see how things go when they come in like a week and a half. Yeah, I mean, most of us have been dumped before, right? Like, and uh, oh, and some of us weren't lucky enough to be dumped by like the like textbook 80s, like villain in a ski movie trying to save the lodge, you know, like that is USC. So some of us just got dumped for another person on, you know, first line trumpet or whatever. So I don't know, Oklahoma, get over it. We've all been there. Most of us have been there anyway. Um, so, okay. So we're going to talk, I've got you on today. We're going to talk about Nebraska's run game. Um, Anthony Grant looked, he looked good in Nebraska's win over North Dakota. Um, it was North Dakota it was an FCS team. So temper expectations and reactions and all that, all that good stuff. Um, but he looked good. So we're going to talk about him a little bit and talk about the run game a little bit. Um, well, a lot bit actually later. Uh, but kind of before we dive into that, I just have a couple offhand kind of notes, things that I wanted to talk about from um, this North Dakota game the past week. So Nebraska plays Georgia Southern this weekend. If you guys are looking for a preview of that game, go check out Brandon Vogel's I-80 preview podcast. He's going to have the the only preview that you could possibly ask for, hope for on uh, on that Georgia Southern game. So go check that out. Um Brady, you just came from 
Scott Frost's last media availability press conference situation, whatever you want to call it, of the week before they play Georgia Southern. We're recording this Thursday at noon. You just talked to him a little bit ago. Anything of note come from that conversation? Um, the big things that he touched on, because he really kind of keeps things short and sweet um, on Thursdays in the last media availability before games, um, basically said they're aware of the forecast, about a 70% chance of rain from kickoff until – you know, well after midnight. So they're aware um, they need to be prepared to run the ball um, if it becomes a, a, an opportunity to run, to win. Um, he kind of talks a little bit about um, how they had the first team offense against the first team defense uh, in practice this week, said that he liked how everything looked. Um, he liked giving them full speed looks, especially for the defense, um, said he was very happy with how that turned out. Um he kind of gave standard answers to most other things, kind of weighing things, um, was asked about team captains, uh, Vokalik and Henrik, about how they're coming along. Um, the notable thing wasn't their update. They're both day-to-day and, you know, fingers crossed that they can go any day. Uh, but they're, he's kind of asked how coaches like to see them on the sidelines, how they're they're using their roles as team captain to still be interactive with teammates during games and during practice. And that's where Frost kind of lit up and said, yeah, this team has the best leadership that he's seen on a team in a while. And guys like that stepping up, kind of helping the younger guys through um, was definitely a a big plus. I know he talked about Ernest um, getting big minutes on Saturday and while didn't play a perfect game, you know, this young guy, impressionable guy and with good leadership can, can go up. So, um, I'm kind of intrigued by all of that. And, and those are really the ones that kind of stood out to me from what uh, Scott said today. Yeah. Houseman made his first career start, got in for, uh, for Henrich who was out and missed a couple tackles early. Um, but they were, they were misses from a guy that was just like flying a little too quickly to the football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wonder, that's kind of what we see looking back at things on film. A lot of their misses are, I mean, there's it's fundamental things, but you got guys just too amped up to make a play. You know, it's kind of the, the settle down. Um, you're there to do the job, kind of don't overrun a pocket, don't overrun a hole and just stay home. And I think Nebraska might, as a unit, be better off doing that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's always it's always better when you're, when you're, if you have a missed, or missed tackle issue, which has, has been an issue through the first two games. Um, it's always better if it's more um, correctable things in sort of your approach than willingness to tackle or intensity to tackle or like, you know, how many guys you have getting to the football. So that's always, you know. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Silver lining and everything. Um, I made a couple notes from the North Dakota game that I want to talk to you about before we get to, to the running back. The first one in my little notebook was uh, Nash Hopmacher had um, a, a pretty impressive play on a third and two in the first quarter. Um, he just absolutely blew his man up right off the snap of the football. And I think Garrett Nelson got credit for the tackle that ended the ended the play, ended the drive, halted the, the North Dakota drive. But it was Nash Hutmacher who pushed his guy literally right into where that running back was supposed to go on that play. Um, and it was right off the snap of the football. It was pretty – you know, it was, it was a flash from – from uh, an interior defensive lineman and a guy that Nebraska is hoping can develop into something special. Um, and like we talked, Brandon and I talked on the, on this podcast last week, I was concerned about the defensive line, the interior of the defensive line and the way that they played against Northwestern. And granted it's North Dakota, so you're not going to be able to make a ton of you know sweeping statements about, Hey, things are better. Things are moving in the right direction, this, that, and the other thing after a North Dakota game. But you know, they got if if they can get um, if they can get some development from Nash Hutmacher this year to where he can give them a handful of plays like that each week where he's just kind of causing damage in the middle. That would be a big development for this defensive line because the the thing that we talked about last week they're kind of missing um, they they're kind of missing that Darian Daniels Damian Daniels presence on the interior at the nose tackle position and last year they could kind of make up for it just because they had so much depth of quality defensive linemen that they could throw at teams um, they don't have that this year and so I think in that in that first week you really noticed the lack of that sort of plugger big guy in the middle of the defense um, Another guy that I want to mention, Stefan Wynn, 28 snaps, third highest grade from from Pro Football Focus. He had a couple stops, um, some nice tackles. He he's also kind of coming along. So, you know, there there I think you have to be a little bit um, less patient with a guy like that on the interior because they're kind of hoping that one of those transfers on the defensive line hits pretty early. They kind of need them to. Um, then you can be with a guy like Nash, who's still kind of developing his body and going through a, a, a college weight program. But I wanted to ask you. Anybody stand out on the defensive line to you, or maybe it was one of the guys that I just named? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the one that stands out right away is that play, that fumble. I mean, you know, Garrett gets the strip sack. You expect a guy like Garrett to make that play, or at least if the play is going to be made, he would be maybe not expecting. But if a, if a play like that is to be made, you pick a name out on the roster sheet, his name is probably, you know, on the short list of the guys that do it. But, Stephen, the movement – the absolute closing of space and the presence of mind to follow that play and then to get where he was at to get onto that football to recover the fumble was really impressive to me. Um, that stood out. Um, Ty Robinson talked a little bit um, in, earlier in the week kind of about just the game speed, where they're seeing things, what in games and in practice, what is going on, you know? And because I think I, I'd agree – Against Northwestern, that was a point of concern to me. Um, that was definitely one of the things where immediately, like, you've got to fix that. If you want to compete in the Big Ten, your defensive line has to improve. Of course, Nebraska wasn't getting much on the edge either in that game, but it's it really seems to be those guys um, getting a push. Steven and, and Ty really um, 
leading the charge, I guess, and trying to make that play. I know um, Teddy Prohaska said something about going up against guys like that in practice this week has really helped him out um, and has really kind of helped the offensive line see, again, those live snaps, those full speed snaps. Um, and yeah, like you said, you kind of temper expectations because it was North Dakota and everything like that. But, and, you know, you're short to crown people after a North Dakota game, but the reality is Nebraska wasn't able to beat Oklahoma last Saturday. They're not able to beat North Northwestern last Saturday. They can only beat the team that they were playing. And unlike those games previously, they had a close game in the second half and they closed it out in the fourth quarter and absolutely pulled away. That is an encouraging sign that you can take away from this Nebraska team. And they did it. The offense was making plays, but the defense saw the changes that need to be made at halftime, made the corrections, got a considerable push, sustained push at the line and ended drives and closed the door, made it so Nebraska was able to pull away and you weren't having a track meet in the fourth quarter. So, um, I mean, for me, the the bland answer that people aren't going to want to hear is it's a team effort and you got to have the depth in order to make those pushes. But, um, yeah, I mean, it starts up front. It starts with the leadership. It starts with the guys that you want to make plays like that. So, yeah, Ty and Steven, made the, they made the biggest impressions to me um, immediately after that game. Top three wideouts, Alante Brown, Trey Palmer, and, uh, and Marcus Washington, who began the game. Alante had two catches, 27 yards. Washington had a, a really nice catch along the sideline um, that he controlled. And initially they, they thought it was incomplete and then turned around and, and ruled it complete. It was a nice play. Trey Palmer was open all over the place. Um, it was a, it was a, it was an, I guess an encouraging sign from their wideouts. I guess what I know you don't get to talk to assistant coaches in season. So you haven't gotten to hear from Mickey Joseph, but you get to talk to frost, you get coordinators, I guess what what was said about the the wide receiver group this week, or maybe the top of the wide receiver room? Um, comfort, comfort's a big thing. Comfort and confidence. Um, keep in mind, this is um, Mark Whipple's first year implementing his system that took three years to really become successful. And at Pitt, and even then, he needed a Heisman finalist quarterback, you know, to to really make it stand out. And a guy like Jordan Addison um, on the outside to make it really pop and become nationally known. Um, but the more reps that they're getting, the more comfortable they feel. I think Casey said something really interesting to me um, after the Northwestern game. You know, when they threw Isaiah caught the opening touchdown pass against Northwestern. Great ball, great catch. And he said that he didn't know until after the play that that was even Isaiah that caught it. He, he thought that was Alante who caught that ball because they're throwing so many different people out there and they're trying to get used to this and that. So it's not like they can look over, see the number of, you know, Alante or even Omar Manning who played in his first game last Saturday um, and, and know what the speed or know where they got to put that ball. They're not at that rapport yet with each other. So that's really interesting to me, but you get, um, the great catches, the guys who are able to pull down tough balls like that. And like Alante's catch is a good example of it that helps themselves build confidence and helps Casey know, you know, this is still his first year in the system, um, first year in Nebraska, but he can throw it out and they can grab it. Now you get a guy like Trey Palmer, who is a clearly a, a specimen of an athlete and they're trying to start using him a little bit like um, Jordan Addison was used in Pitt last year, get a guy in space, bubble screens, or just you know sweeps across the middle and able to just get him with a couple of yards of separation from the defense and 
let allow a playmaker to make plays like that. Um, but at the same time, Tr- Trey said on Monday it was that um, he's got to work on his conditioning because when he was at LSU, he wasn't asked to play as many snaps as he is now. So it's all a work in progress. But I mean, you see those little, you know, those little glimmers of plays here and there. And if you're a Husker fan, you think like, yeah, you know, like we need that all the time. Uh, understandable. Cause I can tell you right now, I've, there were plays Josh Allen made when I was in Wyoming watching it on the sidelines where I'm like, you know, that's unreal. And there are plays that Casey's made and throws and things that the offense does here. And you're like, okay, like, wow, you know, this thing can go just consistency and it comes from repetitions and things like that. So it's, it's getting there. Obviously there are points of concern. Casey's interception went directly to the linebacker. He said that he didn't see that one. He saw the guy at the linebacker in motion, but didn't see the one settled up over the center. So, but it's with anything else. It's still early in the season. You know, they're trying to make plays and everything like that, but there's definitely encouraging signs. And I think getting a good receiver rotation, little glimpses out of each one of the receivers has shown that any at any point one of those guys can step up and make a play like that. Work in progress, man. That's why you schedule teams like North Dakota and uh, and Georgia Southern. That's what happens. The other thing that I wanted to note, this team, we've been talking for four years about what is Nebraska's identity. I think I finally settled on an identity. This team's just stressful. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be stressful as hell. And I'm watching from a little bit different vantage point this season. This team's going to be stressful as hell. And like, so like just this sequence, just ridiculous sequence in the first half, they have the blocked punt. Javin Wright gets his hand on the punt and then they almost give it away because of whatever is going on inside Wyatt Lever's head. And he tries to pick up the ball with one hand with another person on top of him. Oh my God, what's going on here? And then on the very first play of the possession, Trey Palmer beats his man down the field and he's looking like he's going to have a walk-in touchdown. Casey underthrows him. Yeah. Crap. Oh, but wait a minute. Defensive pass interference gets called. Okay, we get 15 yards. Okay, we're moving down the field. We've begun a drive with 15 yards. That's an explosive play. When you begin a drive or when you have an explosive play on a drive, your statistical probability of scoring a touchdown on that drive shoots up. Awesome. We're off and running. Next play, fumble. Give the ball away. Oh, but wait a minute. Then the defense is going to respond with a three and out and immediately punch North Dakota right back off the field and give your offense the ball again. Oh, wait a minute. Now the offense is going to go three and out. This team's just stressful as hell, man. <laughs> you just just put something together for for a couple of possessions, which they did in the second half. So that this game, these games are just going to be antsy. You're gonna, they're gonna, you're gonna be angst riddled on Saturdays watching Nebraska football. When this team is on the football field, you're gonna have sweaty palms and sweaty butts. And if you're biting nails as like a, as like a nervous tick, like your nails are gonna be done by the end of the season. This team's just stressful. That's the identity. There we go. We figured it out. Yeah, well, consistency, right? I mean, uh, it's for, it's been the case for a couple of years now. You've seen it through the first two games. Nebraska does something good, but then something inevitably happens a couple of minutes later or the next drive or immediately after something just happens to negate that. Um, and I think that's something to be watchful of um, this Saturday because they haven't won consecutive games for a calendar year. If they win on Saturday, it will be 364 days since the last time they won consecutive games. And Scott Frost has talked about this being a, a confident group. They come in, they, they believe that they can win every game, which you should. If you're playing division one football and you don't believe you can win that day, you're not going to play, <laughs> but 
that the confidence of actually going out there, closing the door in North Dakota and coming in against a team like Georgia Southern, talented, great athletes, coached by Clay Helton, who ran USC, you know, like the ground. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> but you know, he's got that on his mantelpiece and he's got the payout to show for it. This um, is true. It, it, but it's, the confidence of winning games there's nothing i don't care who it is you know in the 90s it was iowa state you know if it's umass now or uconn now whoever it is a win is a win and it's going to go down forever as a win and you can't again you, you cannot beat oklahoma today or tomorrow you cannot win the big 10 by beating georgia southern on saturday you can only beat georgia southern on saturday so that's your job and there's something to be said for just getting the consistency and the confidence to build upon each other to work your way up to that and to just beat who you can because frankly the only thing that nebraska's beaten consistently over the last four years is nebraska wow that was that was well done that was good that was good that was that was the perfect kicker to a story but you actually like came up with it on the spot um well done let's talk about anthony grant because i'm watching this kid run and he looks like a back that nebraska hasn't had in the last couple years and again tempered expectations or and reactions because it's noted it's uh, north dakota i was about to say notre dame it's not notre dame it's north dakota um different nd different nd (laughs) anthony grant has 290 yards through his first two games he's averaging six yards a carry he's about 60 percent of the way toward ramir johnson's rushing total for all of last season which he was at 495 adrian martinez led the team with 525 rushing yards the leading running back in terms of yardage was Ramir Johnson who had 495. Anthony Grant is more than halfway to that total through his first two games. When you watch him play, there were there, now there were a couple of there were a couple of plays in the Northwestern game where I was like, hey, that's that, pin that. That's that was a nice that was a nice snap. That was a nice little play to put on film. Um, and they came in all three phases of the game. He had a nice pass pro blitz pickup. He had a reception that that he turned into some decent yardage. He had a couple of nice runs. Um, against North Dakota, he made plays that I think you can take away even in spite of the quality of the opponent that he was facing. Because it's not like when, I was, when I'm watching him run, it's not like, and, and particularly in the first half, he made some nice plays in, in the first half before they really kind of like poured it on late. Um, it wasn't as if Nebraska's offensive line was just opening up massive holes to where you or I could run through and get six or seven yards. It was Anthony Grant making plays because of his natural ability. And not even that, because of his vision. Um, his, you know, we've seen a couple of guys in the past here at Nebraska who danced because they liked to dance in the backfield. And there was some wasted movement and there was some just kind of like, would you just cut it up field, please? Thinking of a, of a Washington. Um, Anthony Grant doesn't do that. He doesn't dance around. Every, every movement seems to be purposeful. Yeah. And the footwork is really impressive. He's a one cut go and he doesn't have, you know, insane, burst speed explosiveness through the hole, but he does have a lot of functional athleticism. And when you pair that with the vision that he has displayed through the first couple of games, 
Um, he's been, you know, 189 yards is, is nothing to sneeze at, even, you know, considering the opponent. 189 yards on 23 carries, two touchdowns. Um, he's been encouraging, right? Yeah. And uh, to your point, the thing that surprises me most, maybe not surprises, but the thing that excites me most about watching him is the conviction that he runs with. Um, and I think that that's contagious. Um, you've talked to some of the players after that game on Saturday and Garrett Nelson is talking about how he loves AG and he'll put, you know, give him a hug and tell him he loves him. And Casey's talked about how even Casey Thompson said definitely the player of the game was, was Anthony Grant because of the things that he's able to do. And he's able to do it by just patience, I think is the biggest thing. That's uh, Nebraska was playing from behind or it's carried this kind of weight and anxiety on its shoulders for so much for so long that it's the, the urgency you've got to get there now, or you've got to pound it down their throat. Once you get that ball, you got to go he's he's got that patience to where he's able to kind of wait and see what opens up what he can see out of a defense where he's able to strike but it's just like like a a rattlesnake you know they wind up and they're ready to go but when they strike and when they're going it's purposeful it's conviction it's moving around and it's it's exciting and it's also like they're going to carve up a defense for it north dakota was clearly not able to not able to size up athletically just because of the caliber of athlete but once they actually got hands on him at the second level you just thought okay it's going to take more than that one linebacker to bring him down that's how hard he was running and i think that that's something that nebraska fans truly treasure uh you know in the long lineage of nebraska running backs that's something they like that's one of the reasons why scott frost said after the game you know let's not crown the guy yet because i know how nebraska fans are with their running backs kind of thing which i thought was fun you know coming from a former nebraska quarterback (laughs) um but um it's it's really cool and it's just really fun and exciting to see um he has cemented himself as the number one even on the depth chart which is kind of a formality we knew he'd be the number one after that but um Mark Whipple said this week that they've still working all those other guys out because it's a long season. They want to build somewhat of a, of a running back core behind him because if, if you're leaning on anybody to carry the ball 25 times a game anymore in college football, you're flirting with potential disaster there. So I think the coaches know what they have in them. The, the teammates know what they have in them and know that they can support him and the that his kind of aggression on the field and patience on the field um, are contagious. And I think it's just, it's going to be really fun to watch, especially against a team like Georgia Southern, where I think he, he could have a similar game against Georgia Southern. And then at that point, he's got three really good games under his belt before Oklahoma comes in. And so does the spotlight. Okay. Put a, put a pin in the, 25 carries again, Leon and comment because I'm coming back to that in a second. But I think it's always, I think it's so funny to hear Frost now when a player has a good performance and we ask him about him or he gets asked about that player. The the comment is always kind of the same where he's like, I don't, I don't want to crown him yet. Like we don't need to talk about how great he is yet. I know how Nebraska fans are. It's kind of that like, like you're gonna run with what I say and it's gonna turn into this big whole thing. And it's it's just it's funny to hear it because it is a massive overcorrection from the start of his tenure because 
this is the same guy that made the Remington comparison to a center that hadn't snapped the football in his life before. Um, that's just funny. Okay, the the leaning on Grant for 25 carries a game, you say it's flirting with disaster, flirting with potential injury in this day and age in college football. Yes. That being said, Nebraska, I know it's Mark Whipple offense. I know it's not his M.O., but – Lean on Anthony Grant for 25 carries a game. If Anthony Grant doesn't have 20 carries against Georgia Southern, I'm going to be upset. This is this is your offense now. Lean into this, right? Yeah, well, and that's kind of the thing that's really interesting because I have kind of been looking back at, like, Pitt game film from last year and really kind of, you know, um, kind of getting a sense of what what is this what does this offense look like when it's functioning the way it was meant to function. And we're kind of seeing the seeds, you know, being sown already is it's the West coast short passes, get them out in space, spread the defense out. And then when they're able to run, which they didn't do consistently at Pitt, definitely they want to do more consistently in Nebraska. It's with a defense that's spread out because you're chipping away on the sidelines and then you're sending more attention there. And if you're, if you've got Anthony Grant in the backfield and you're telling AG, line up against a unstacked box, you know, when they've only got six guys committed there. I mean, you've seen what the guy's done so far. If they're not pounding the box, he's going to get five, six yards of carry out of that thing. He's going to be untouched getting to the second level. And even if he gets touched at the second level, he's taking three yards with him. Like it's, it's really exciting to see a guy be able and have the body and the strength to take that kind of um, workload that they're willing to give to him. But at the same time, you've got guys like AJ Allen who have stepped up. Um, you've got guys like Ramir Johnson still there. Um, Gabe Irvin Jr. is still in the mix, kind of, you know, coaches still talk about him. Um, they all kind of give something different. Um, so while I think if you have, you have your definitive number one, you have the guy that you say you're going to shoulder the running, you know, the, the workload for the run game right now in AG, but you know, the Big Ten is tough on running backs. Everything is tough on the run game in this day and age, and you're taking a hit all the time. Just having that reassurance from different skill set backs is good to know. But, I mean, r- definitively right now, Nebraska's got a running back that you can hand the ball to fourth and goal from the three and have a pretty good confidence that he's going to try to muscle his way for three yards. And I think – that's something Nebraska fans can kind of hang their hat on that they weren't so sure they could do before. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be fascinating to see how this sort of evolves. And if Anthony Grant has another um, standout game against Georgia Southern, even considering the opponent, it's going to dictate that Nebraska changes some things or maybe not changes, but, but starts to focus more on him, feature him more within the offense. And that makes this, this whole partnership between head coach and offensive coordinator, super interesting because um, in week one, it was it was Mark Whipple. It was Mark Whipple, and there was so much made about Scott Frost just kind of standing, I should say week zero, Scott Frost kind of being more spectator than he's used to. Um, now they've got this what looks to be pretty capable running back. And, we, you know, we saw, like, Mark Whipple was not brought to Nebraska to throw the ball 50 times a game. Like, when when Scott Frost signed up for the Mark Whipple experience, that's not explicitly what he hired Mark Whipple to do. He hired Mark Whipple to make this whole thing work, make this whole thing effective. Nebraska's offense has been productive. It just hasn't scored a ton of points consistently. 
Yeah. And and when it when it you know when it's put up 500 yards, it hasn't scored you know whatever the subsequent point total that you would expect from that yardage. Um, but we have seen a Scott Frost offense work, and we've seen a lot of theoretical Scott Frost designs that look great. You know, I'm thinking of the the Nate Borkacher touchdown um, in this game against North Dakota where. They line him up as as an ineligible receiver, some pre-snap shifting, some movement. Suddenly he's eligible, and then he just kind of sneaks down the seam and gets a touchdown wide open. Um, that's, you know, that's that's what we've known Scott Frost to be capable of, and a Scott Frost offense to be capable of, is that kind of creative ways to to maximize, you know what you've got available to you hasn't always worked in, in practice, but conceptually it's been pretty strong. Um, so like you've got this offensive coordinator and Mark Whipple, who, like you said, made this fantastic offense a year ago with a, a Heisman finalist quarterback who, who then became a first round pick in the NFL and a Blitnikoff winning wide receiver. And they're throwing the ball over the yard. And you, you marry that sort of approach with, what Scott Frost has been, and you think about where Scott Frost has been, he cut his teeth in coaching in arguably one of the most innovative run games that we've seen in the last few decades yeah. with Chip Kelly at Oregon. He was part of arguably one of the greatest rushing offenses in the history of college football year over year when he was a player at Nebraska. This guy knows what quality rushing offense looks like what a quality run game looks like and he and he has a lot of strong conceptual ideas about how to craft a quality run game in this day and age of college football so it like all that all that said if anthony green has another strong game against georgia southern i want to see a little bit more collaboration on how to how to how to feature him in this offense and how to make sure that this offense maybe isn't the the passers paradise that we kind of wondered if it could be when Mark Whipple took over and maybe a little bit more like what Nebraska has known for years and years and years. Um, But that would be the adjustment. And that would be to me, the reason that Mark Whipple was hired because he was hired to make those adjustments to make this offense work. Well, Whipple and Frost and even um, like Casey Thompson has kind of alluded to it. uh, Communication, verbalizing what they see, um, they and frost said collaboration has been a big key they get you know coach applewhite involved especially um on the run game they they more creative heads together to kind of siphon things through and figure out what's going to work um casey has said that he sees things on the field and he'll communicate that with coaches he likes to talk with some of the receivers after each route or after each drive and see what they were seeing to communicate that it's a big collaborative process and i'm curious and i think it's really curious to see how that turns out, especially after some of the, the comments of wanting to be more creative in the run game. Or um, I think like, what did Frost say on the BTN broadcast, right? Going into halftime just said the offense, it's bad, you know? And in the second half, it changed. I think it became very apparent because Mark Whipple said at Pitt, you know, it took him three years to really get the vibe for it. Let's not beat around the bush here. Scott Frost does not have three years right now. I mean, he's he's on the hot seat. He, the the chosen one that was brought to Lincoln to bring back the glory days is not paying attention to the noise, but you hear it, you see it, you feel it, 
people are aware. So I think that there's a sense of urgency from the coaching staff to know like, hey, we're willing to like invest time and energy into this because it can be great. But let's put our heads together because every Saturday the coaches aren't saying, well, we'll play whatever, you know, this week because the long term is to win two and a half years from now. I think you just see like second half, that's what Nebraska's offense could be. They have scored on the first drive out of every half that they have played so far. That is proof that what they're coming up with is on scripted plays out of every, you know, first opportunities, what they're collaborating on is evidence that it can work. I think it's just a point of Mark Whipple's vision on how he sees, you know, a couple of yards on the outside, let big playmakers, speedy guys like Trey Palmer go out and make a play in space. You've got Alante Brown or Omar Manning able to come down with a big ball. Isaiah is able to get behind coverage or something, but then you, you're freeing up that space to chip away and have a bruiser like an Anthony Grant or even another speedster running back like an AJ Allen sneak through and get some yards at a time. This offense fundamentally could eat up yards at a chunk and score within three minutes at any given point. The reality is, and the hiccup is, what happens with a false start penalty? What happens on a drop pass? What happens to to overcome those little obstacles that they're getting? And it goes back to consistency. If Nebraska has consistency, they're going to be successful. But if they get hit with those hurdles how does that change things? And I think that's where their collaborative process has to come in of, okay, well, if we're not getting three yards at a chunk, what do we do different? And I think it it became evident in the first half on Saturday against North Dakota that they didn't really have an answer at that point for that question. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you mentioned the, the scripted touchdowns. So they keep scoring on the first drive of games. They also keep scoring on the first drive of second halves. Yeah, um, which again is kind of scripted stuff. Um, it's it's been what what happens after those first possessions. What happens after that defense makes an adjustment and and you have to kind of counter the chess move. Um, look, I mean, look, I think the adjustment is just Anthony Grant and you know this offensive line. Another thing to keep in mind is this offensive line. I know the pieces have sort of changed out over the years, but they've been saying for years that they prefer. They feel like they are at their best when they're running downhill, when they're able to just hit guys downhill and 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 sort of have not necessarily a power run game as a zone scheme, but when they're able to move downhill. And Anthony Grant, one cut and go kind of back, you know, he gets he's patient, but he gets downhill. And so, you know, I, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We've seen a ton under this regime. I know it's different coaches have, but this regime where something works and then the next week it just kind of goes away. You don't see a ton of it again. Um, so we'll see if that's that's the case against Georgia, Georgia Southern. I hope not. Well, I, I will say one thing that I'm keeping an eye on, especially in terms of the run game. Um, one thing that Whipple started to implement more at Pitt was more like uh, tackle pulling, more like mobile offensive line looks. We haven't really seen that much out of Nebraska yet through two games of the offensive line doing anything other than, you know, downhill blocking or even a chip block. Um, I haven't seen that many pulling guards. I haven't seen much, you know, lateral movement to free up and get some things. So I'd be curious to see if they start implementing a little bit more of that in the run game, which obviously could could open up some more big holes and big plays. It's probably the biggest tell there is that this is Whipple's offense now and no longer Frost's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guards pulling and guys pulling from all kinds of different directions was such a staple of his offense when he was running the show. So, 
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Any, 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 anything else in particular that we didn't cover that you're looking forward to in, in this Georgia Southern game? Um, no, I th- well, I think the, the, the interesting thing is going to be to me, can the defense get any sort of pressure in the back? Um, because I think against Northwestern, they were just able to basically set up a picnic and a brunch and a, you know, a matinee in the, in the backfield. Um, North Dakota didn't really have that much, you know, pressure getting through in the backfield. Georgia Southern is going to want to sling the ball around. They're going to want to throw. They're going to throw a lot. So to help out the defensive backs, there's got to be some sort of push. You've got to get some presence in the backfield, a hand up, anything to disrupt that offensive rhythm. So I'm going to be really curious to see if Nebraska can actually consecutively and fundamentally get pressure into that backfield because um, there are bigger Goliaths to come. And if you can't get pressure on the quarterback – um, you might be in for uh, you might be playing for behind the eight and the nine ball on those. Yeah, yeah. I mean the, the the team that comes after Georgia Southern, you're gonna have to find a way to pressure that quarterback, otherwise they're gonna chew you up. So, um, Brady, you are you are podcasting from the Nebraska press box, sixth floor of the Nebraska press box. So I'm sure you have work to do. You got some other stuff coming. So I will let you get on with your day. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to catch up. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, keep reading HailVarsity.com. If you are not subscribed, go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Use the promo code VARSITY, all caps. Make sure that you're able to read everything that Brady writes, everything that Brandon writes, all that Aaron's stuff, Jacob's stuff. Volleyball season is up and rolling again. HailVarsity has your fix for all things Nebraska, so make sure to get on that if you haven't already. Also, you get the magazine. You want the magazine. Um, go follow Brady on Twitter. Brady, what's your Twitter, ha- Twitter handle? I make, I make it simple for everybody. It's just my name at Brady B R A D Y no space Oltmans O L T M A N S. Go do that. I'm gonna try to to slow it down so I don't mess up my talking anymore, flub up anything else anymore. <laughs> Shout out to you guys for listening to this podcast every week. Shouts to Brady for coming on. Shouts to Cam for producing this episode every week. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.
Huda Media Production.